Hey, Jen. Hey, Tina. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. You're listening to Speaking of Racism. I am here with uh, three remarkable individuals who have been a part of my life this past, well, my book life, my author life for the past year and a half. And I have invited them on to talk about a couple of things. We're going to first get into Row House um, Publishing. I uh, would love to hear from um, Rebecca and Kristen um, about how Row House came to be. And then we're going to talk about Are We Free Yet? And uh, and Tamala is going to share and, and, and just kind of talk about the process that you, um, just your, your role in what you do in this magical uh, place that we call Row House. Um, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about each of our projects. Yeah, it's so, I mean, I know that we're talking about Row House and all that, how it started. And it started from like, kind of a David and Goliath story. And Kristen, you were the catalyst for all of it because you pushed me into seeing that maybe I could also like fight the giant. But it's, um, you know, bringing us to now, and I don't want to take the audience on this long meandering journey, but it all does relate. And it all really is about David and Goliath and good versus evil. And sometimes what we perceive as good and evil, and that isn't, it's just my perspective, your perspective, my experience, your experience. But like right now, what we're going through as both as publishers, um, you as a co-founder at Row House, and then you with your own project, is that there's a lot of people running around upset labeling themselves, David, Goliath, you're Goliath, we're David. We're all mixed up in it. I called Tammy the other day and I was like, you all right, because there's some Davids running around <laughs> and like saying Kristen's a Goliath and I don't know what to do. Like we need to, we need to talk about this. So yeah, it's, um, that was very convoluted, but I think that people listening that are in the struggle of trying to affect, you know, change in the world will understand, right. On an organizational level, we'll get it trying to affect change in the world. And that is how Row House was born. Row House came from the quintessential Goliath and David story, Rebecca, with you dealing with the Goliath. That was that other publishing house that you had been a part of for years and fighting with for years. So take us a little bit through how you go from attempting uh, to, to fight inside of those systems and then getting out of it saying, fuck this, I'm doing, I'm doing it different. Yeah. I mean, I know we have time, but there's a few other people on here that I, I think are so integral to the story of Row House. So I'm going to give you the McDonald's Happy Meal version, which was, I was a baby writer. It was my dream to be with one very specific publisher. That dream was facilitated through a channel of favors and um, privilege that I was able to know the right people and get in front of the right people to have my book published with a lot of ease and get a pretty healthy advance, um, $25,000 for my first book. So that felt really good at the time. Um, and I was with that publisher and treated very well by them. And it wasn't until I was well into the experience of being there, publishing my second book, um, 
that I noticed that the things that were important to me, the community, black and brown communities that were very important to me were not only not being centered, they were not just not being acknowledged, but they were purposely being pushed out. So it was a, an event, an industry event, a company event in May 2018 when I addressed the CEO at the end of the event and asked, and he was giving a presentation on stage and you know, he had a microphone in his face and you know, so everyone heard. And, and I said, look, you know, I wanna know when I go back to my audience and they see the people that are here and they see um, that they are not represented, they see that I'm the brownest person in the room and I'm very, 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 very light brown. You know, what am I supposed to say? And his response was, you have to understand, Rebecca, that we cater to an affluent audience. So that was in May of 2018. And, and what that really said to me was that, you know, he caters to an audience that, that doesn't include me either, right? So what am I, who am I making my stuff for? Like, what am I, who am I serving by being here? And I stayed for a little bit longer trying to work on initiatives from within. And a big lesson I learned from there is that if the foundation isn't built on justice or inclusion or any of those other words that mean kind of the same thing, um, then it just can't happen. You, you can't, doing it from within, and God bless anyone who continues to try, especially in spaces like the church, especially spaces like the government, you know, you have to keep trying, but I knew that it just, it wasn't going to happen and I had to leave. So it was the height of COVID. The Black Lives Matter movement was in the mainstream. Um, my publisher was saying and doing nothing about authors that were purposely spreading disinformation about COVID that was disproportionately impacting black and brown communities, disabled communities. I made a decision to leave and, and um, it was that same week that Kristen texted me and she was like, hey, why don't you just start your own thing? I was like, all right. I mean, how hard did that be? <laughs> <laughs> Many tears later. I mean, it was just a, it was just a joke, Rebecca. I oh. just took it all really too seriously. Um, um, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, when I sent the text, I definitely was like, hey, why wouldn't you do your own thing? I was, I didn't know that you would actually call the next day and be like, so let's do this. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Well, yeah, that's a, that's an idea. Um, but I mean, it didn't, it didn't take us all that long to take an idea and make it a reality, which is the, really the craziest part. Like I realized just recently, it's been exactly two years since like that text, that probably the first conversations. Exactly we had two about years since that text. Exactly yeah, two but years. Probably yeah. to the day. It was like uh, the beginning of yeah. October. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, I don't know so. if we're Dumb and Dumber. I don't know if we're Laverne and Shirley. I don't know if we're Cheech and Chong, but like. We Thelma, or or Thelma or Thelma Louise. We're about five hundred feet yeah. above the Grand Canyon yeah. right we're now. We're still here. We're still here. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're Pinky in the Brain, and we just like interchange in those roles. But yeah, um, we we somehow bumbled our way through it, and I'm incredibly proud of where we are now, with like thirty authors and a huge group of creatives. Um, and Tammy, who's on the call here, is one of our lead editors and author. So yeah, um, that's that's the beginning of Romance. That's what it was, what it is. It's a beautiful, what it, it's such a beautiful. It's, it's such a, 
how they're they're we're humble beginnings, right? We came from humble beginnings, um, and so to be two years in, thirty authors later, how many books are are is Row House even at right now? Um, and and the <laughs> how many? Um, yeah, oh, right, right. Like thirty. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in the catalog, right? Upcoming, we we um, have books uh, signed through twenty twenty five. Which is which is really incredible because you came out with this publishing house with the intention to break publishing. I remember some of those first conversations that we had about Row House and the disruptive model that you were putting together, um, which I'd love to also touch on that. What does that mean to break publishing? What does that mean to have this disruptive model um, and to center black and brown and LGBTQ plus and disabled voices in a primarily white male cishet dominant industry. Like, and we say primarily, we're talking 90% of publishers, of writers. Like, what does that model look like? I mean, I want to give that to the, the blonde hair, blue eyed lady <laughs> on the call because Kristen McGinnis is the queen of the hook. I've never met anyone that could take an idea and just turn it into something that is like marketable. You know, like people are like, yeah, I want part of that. So I was like, I want to make things better, right? I want people to get paid, but Kristen really came up with the model. And um, you want to talk about our Craig commitment in our in our 4040? Uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, I mean, I'll say, I mean, the reason why Rebecca and I partnered as quickly as we did outside the fact that we could make each other laugh. So, you know, that always helps because um, you got to laugh. Um, as I said to somebody yesterday, it's like, if it's not fun, then it's work. And I don't like to work. So, like, to me, like, there's no point in doing a job unless I'm having fun. Like, I am just here for the cake, Kristen people. Is like, that is it. Black Americans. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't want to work. I don't know that line. I mean, look, I come from Irish potato pickers. That's true, that's it's not true. like, you know, yeah, I mean, I labor, but, but if I'm not laboring for something I like, then forget it, you know? Um, and so, cause then, cause then it really is just labor, you know, then it is actually serving Goliath. Like if you're just doing something you don't like to pay bills, then like you are, you are in that system that you, if you purport to hate it, right? Um, I think that that is like if there's one element of liberation and it's not that everybody can access it. I think like I think our work on this planet is to make work fun. I mean, really, like, I mean, if we if we have to labor in order to feed ourselves, if we're not given universal income and we have to labor to feed ourselves, then that labor should be in service to why we are here on this planet and is part of larger meaning for us as humans, you know. Um, otherwise, we are just picking potatoes, you know, and um, we're, all, we're just picking something, whoever, you know, whatever your people are, right? And um, so, I mean, I know, I mean, I am a kid who loved books. I love book. I loved books. I grew up in a weird childhood and books were the salvation to that weird space and um, and I love to sniff books. I was a book sniffer. I love the way they feel. I like the way they look. I like the way I love them. I love them. Like some people love people. And, um, and so, 
but I worked in book publishing and I was shocked to find that I didn't love it as much as I would have thought for somebody who loved books. And I think that um, it's because I got really tired I mean, I get bored easily, but I got really bored of the same stories from the same people over and over again. And then when I began book coaching people, I began that that boredom actually turned into anger because when I was on the other side of it of helping people to sell their stories and then seeing the same freaking people sell books over and over again. And if you're white and you've got a Columbia attached to your name and you happen to have one thing in the New York Times, suddenly you get a six figure mm -hmm. deal. But the person that's been out there doing this work for 20 years can't find an agent or a publisher just because they don't come with those accolades that are all attributed in most cases. Obviously, there's always exceptions, but in most cases, those accolades are attributed to privilege. And so I... Um, I just, you know, I mean, to me, and Rebecca knows this, like I did not have start a publishing house with Rebecca Baruki on my vision board for 2020. I had launched my own company like one month before, like literally September 4th. And then October 4th, she's like, will you come do this with me? And I was like, fuck, like any other, any other year? Yeah. But like, this is real, this is real hard for me right now. And, um, but at the same time, I was in the middle of watching clients of mine not be able to get book deals. Uh, Christopher Rivas is the, you know, he is the heart of this story for me. I'm watching book editors say, I don't get what this is. And I'm like, how the fuck do you not get what this mm. is? How the fuck? It's called Brown Enough. Like, what do you not get about that? Right? Like, this is so clear what this book is. And, um, and like, you can't, you know, here's a, and, and Christopher is a privileged writer even, you know, I mean, he's a working actor. Like he, he lives in, you know, Silver Lake, Los Angeles. Like he's a hip, good looking dude. And people are still saying, oh, I don't get what this is. Right. And I was just like, and then at the same time, you know, there was another writer who I've been working with who immediately got like multiple book offers. Right. And I was just like, no, like I don't, I, you know, like I, I, how can I not show up uh, for this when I'm, I mean, and it's, look, this is 2020, right? Like I'm a white woman and like, I, like I could give my 20 bucks a month to BLM or something and that feels completely um, superfluous. But I know that like I'm here to do books and if I'm here to do books, then I should do them for the right reasons. And Row House was that right reason. So that did not explain cred. No, whatsoever. I'm like, well, okay. I, think... I, love <laughs> I love all your words. <laughs> you talk about our model and why we are the most revolutionary book publisher on the planet. <laughs> But, but it's because of that, right? Because I spent 20 years watching all these other book publishers with all the capabilities and capacities in the world not be revolutionary and instead turn out the same, you know, 12 steps to save your life and also lose weight and also, um, you know, join the capitalist model and also, and I was just like, Fuck, I'm so tired of participating in that in any way. And here was a company that didn't not not only didn't want to participate, it was rejecting it, but also was looking to create something really different. So that's what Rebecca and I aim to do, and um, and we created models that I think really reflect that, both in culture, but also in what we give authors. So, Rebecca, Tammy, I'm going to say it's the 40/40 model. God damn it, it's the 40/40 model, there you go. which is in tribute to the 40 acres and a mule that was promised and rescinded by the American government. Um, promised to um, uh, black Americans after the Civil War, certain black Americans that you know did certain things. But the principle is every you know that we deserve more. We deserve 
equal as as well as we can um, translate that. Like, I still don't know what equitable looks like. I know what in theory it looks like. So every single one of our authors, regardless of the size of their platform, gets forty thousand um, dollar a forty thousand dollar advance and a forty percent royalty share. And um, it's great on the front end for authors who would otherwise not get anything from a publisher. It's fantastic on the back end for established authors that could sell a lot of books. So we're attracting authors that are well-established, have big platforms, as well as, you know, brand new authors that have fantastic stories that need to be told. So that's the model. And then cred commitment because Kristen's just so, so fresh. She's so, so great. I was like, we're really going with this idea of like the community, the row house, like this, this, this village of people that takes care of each other and, you know, having like our block parties for our, for our book launches and, and, um, you know, trying to establish this cred credibility in the community of not the community of our readers, but also the community of industry professionals, like take us seriously. So our cred commitment um, stands for community, responsibility, equity, and disruption. And I'll say that community and disruption bookend that perfectly because those are, I think the, the real um, driving force between everything we do. I think if you're acting in community and you're looking to disrupt that, that equity and that responsibility just fall in line. So that's, that's what that is. And I give credit, full credit to Kristen for that because I can't, I'm not good at thinking of things. Like she titles our books. She does all the good stuff. So it's just cause I like acronyms. I mean, let's not, I mean, it's just a, I'm just a Virgo who loves a good acronym. <laughs> Just let it happen. If I had a hinge pro, if I had a hinge profile, that's what I'd say. Virgo who loves a good acronym. <laughs> don't know, know what hinge is. Don't get divorced because you cannot go back into the dating pool. With <laughs> I wrote a whole book about it, so no, obviously. <laughs> okay, so Kristen calls anyway. Rebecca and says, sends that text and says, "I think it's time for you to start your own publishing house. You go about creating this." disruptive revolutionary model with the 4040 and and i just think the audience needs to know that that is just an unheard of offer to be given to yes. authors across the board because that that just does not exist um and then you launch um you launch a crowdfunding how do you de describe what you did to raise the money <laughs> that you raised in the how amount of time what it was or how do I describe it? Both. <laughs> Both. How do I describe it was like tears, mayhem, what the fuck, I, how are we gonna, who's gonna give us money? Um, so we launched a crowdfunding campaign in March of 2021. And it was basically us just going online and saying, hey, we're having this block party. We enlisted every single influencer, friend that we knew online and said, can you just share this? Can we flood the internet with what Row House is? And I was just posting on Instagram constantly. We raised $100,000 in 10 days um, just from like people sending us money, like straight donation. This wasn't about investing, nothing. Um, we had really incredible people in finance helping us. Um, I want to just shout out Perry Hollowell. He is um, one of the only um, black money managers at Guggenheim Financial. And he came in as a mentor connection from another friend of mine. And you know, he was the first one to say, look, you are a woman of color. You're trying to go out there and get money. I'm telling you, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do. The, the stats just don't support you. Only 2% of venture capital goes to women. Um, only 0.2% goes to black women. So when you get on these calls, they're not going to get excited about how much money you're going to make together. They're going to say, how are you going to not lose my money? Right? So like that's, that's where I'm going into these calls with. 
I did about a month of very demoralizing calls with venture capitalists. Um, I don't know what their deal is. <laughs> like, I don't, they make a lot of money not knowing a lot of stuff about the world. Maybe they just know their world. Um, but it was, I left some of those calls in tears and I, I, I had to find a better way. And through Perry, I met another gentleman who's like, look, I have this friend, you know, he's, he's a really great guy. He's from Goldman Sachs, um, another black gentleman. Um, and he is starting a company called Seed at the Table and it is completely black and brown funded and founded. Um, and they're looking to um, help black and brown owned companies fund their, um, fund their initiatives and their organizations. So I hooked up with him, Pierre Laveau, and we, I was, Row House was their first customer or their first client. And together we raised um, almost another $800,000. We totaled out in less than 11 months, $1.2 million. Kristen calls them Bernie bucks because some of them were coming in like a dollar, $25. Our minimum investment to own a piece of the company was $300. Like we just tried to make it as accessible as possible. And I can't believe something as nerdy as a publishing company got people like so hyped, but it was, it was, it was the most exhilarating and exhausting year of my life. I'm so proud of it. Um, glad it's over, but that's what funded the first two years of acquisitions for Row House. Yeah. yeah. And so the money was raised just from the community, just from people who love, um, mm -hmm. Who, who who love us and wanted to be a part of this, um, this incredible, never done before project. And it started love with- Love books. Love books. Yeah. That love books, that love the community, that have children that they want to be learning the truth, that you know, that love the truth. Um, they're all different people from all different walks of life, all ethnicities, colors, um, you know, income brackets. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And and so with that started the first six books. And so this is where I'd love for Tamala to, to come in as well and just share how you got involved with Row House and what that looked like. So those first six books, um, uh, I'm one of those six authors. Uh, I think I'm number six with Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America. And I love it. <laughs> I just, I, I'm thinking back to early 2021 and I got offered a non-traditional book deal to write a book about um, social justice, how to become a social justice activist. And I remember calling you, Rebecca, and saying, can you take a look at this with me? And I signed an NDA, so I won't get into all of it. And that's actually not even the point of this, but just... Um, that was my first I taste. NDA. <laughs> I hate it. NDA. <laughs> I do. I do. Because they most of the reason you got to sign one is because they're doing something shady. You signed a work exactly, for, you yeah. were, you were presented with a work for hire deal deal. And it was like, let me take your years of experience and your intellectual property and all of your wisdom and, and your experience as a black woman out in the streets. Right. And let's give you like pennies for it so that we can sell mm -hmm. it in perpetuity. And I don't ever want to take money out of anybody's pocket, but I was like, you know, I feel really bad, but I would not sign this deal. Like I just, I didn't want you to do it. And I didn't have anything to give you at the time, but. Especially if it comes, if it comes with an NDA, then you know, you're not signing something good. Like, it's just like, and, and you're going to have to also keep secrets, right? Like that's what that is. Yeah. It's just so telling. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. And it, and I appreciated that advice from you to just be like, 
Tina, I love you. This is a shit deal. Don't sign. Don't do this. Um, and I'll also say that I was not in a position, which most folks are not, many folks are not. I wasn't in a position to turn down the pennies they were offering because it was like $7,000 to write this book for them and then basically walk away from it. Write this book. It becomes a New York Times bestseller. They make a shit ton of money. I had, it was zero royalties. It was, I didn't own the rights to my book. I would have to go, um, like, it, it was just a really bad situation. Um, and then, like you just said, you didn't have anything to offer at the time. But what would wind up happening is a month later, you called me. And what happened? I gave you a book deal. But I want to backtrack <laughs> just like a second. No, I want to backtrack. And I, I just want to disclose to the audience that hears me because I'm sounding a little, <clears throat> I have COVID. So that's why I'm talking. She doesn't crazy. usually sound this sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just super sexy. Yeah. Um, I want to backtrack because I, I did say pennies and I meant no disrespect. I'm saying for what the publishing industry has and what is available to them, that is disrespect on their part. But we mm -hmm. have like we give our authors $40,000. And I know a lot of people would look at that as pennies. But we have authors, right. you know, that's doubling their yearly salary. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's real money. It's always mm -hmm. real money, whether it's $50 or $50,000. But for what I know is available, that is an insult. So mm -hmm. I just want to backtrack that. And I gave you the deal because when you were talking about what you were writing for them, it was like kind of like a, you know, an activist guide. It was like how to. But then and we'll talking, 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 you said these words like, I, you said, are we free yet somewhere in there? And I was like wait a minute <laughs> what is that i buy that book right because of, i buy books off covers i buy books off titles like that just grabbed me like are we free it's so provocative this question i was like oh and we had an open spot like originally i had you know a friend in the spot that was very talented but you know not sure if you know he could commit and um i was like all right bye we got somebody else <laughs> And it just, it just, it aligns and um, it's a beautiful book. It was, I hope it was worth it. I hope you don't look back and go, I wish I took that seven grand and just forgot about it. Certainly not. Certainly not. It's a beautiful book. And the process uh, was definitely not as glamorous. This kind of going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, as far as <laughs> what people imagine it's like writing a book. And it's not like that shit at all. So um, it was, it was, it was. It was so, so, so hard, so painful. Um, Tamala, you, you kind of, you came in and brought back and into my writing experience so much affirmation and joy. Like I, I felt seen when you had, um, and we're gonna come back to Kristen for sure, um, because that was a whole, you know, <laughs> your M&M thing, I wanna talk about that. Um, but, but Tamala <laughs> would love for you to, to just jump like, in what? and <laughs> what's the M&M thing? thing? It's yeah. a thing. We'll, we'll explain it. It's that. fine. It actually makes a lot of sense. It does. I'm excited to hear it's from Tamala. I'm so Kanye all the time. I'm like, I'm gonna let you finish. But I, Tamala is so important in Row House story because of what Row House is today. And I think that this is the bigger story. Not what our ideas about it were is that Tamala actually allowed us to to make good on those promises. So yeah, so we're Go in ahead, the we're in, we're we're in the right the process of of getting to towards the end of writing and editing my book 
And yeah. it was really important yeah. that I had a black woman's hands and eyes and heart on the manuscript. And that's when Rebecca said, oh my God, I, I had someone doing a sensitivity reading and it just turns out that she's a fucking genius at editing. And I found, I found your person and it was you. <laughs> hey you guys <laughs> um yeah you know <laughs> it's funny because I was put on initially as a sensitivity reader for Mo House and and it's it's when a lot of authors I work with they're like oh my gosh I love you I love Rebecca like you guys really love this shit and I'm like yeah you know like this work is really the foundation of how we've always vibed literature and identity like blackness feminist books fiction all of it and so i've had an opportunity of i feel like i've worked in every fucking department at row house <laughs> outside of like human resources or whoever's picking out yeah, the you fonts don't, you and don't shit. want that job <laughs> <laughs> i'm I get to be on the show side instead of the business side. Mm -hmm. And it's wild because Chris's book, Brown Enough, was for me, I think, well, I gave myself a little bit more liberty to be gracious with my feedback and be like, so I noticed some stuff. Here's my 273 notes. You know, take it, do with it what you will. Um, and it was like so something just cracked open and we realized like, oh, I think I can really do this more. And by the time I got on your book, it was wild because you guys were like, like as a book doula, the head was already out. Y'all was just like, is we ready? So it wasn't like I'm going to be moving around furniture, right? I'm not really, this isn't the time when you know we discuss is the baby gonna be born in water or get like nah wherever you at that's where the baby can be it's time to push yeah. so i feel like i was like a filter like i was more like this light is better you know and one thing that i love about editing at row house is a lot of times with books we ride the story so hard that you forget about the person and you forget about the connection of that testimony in the reader. But here, we are so people over principle that we're like, nah, there's another side to this story that it, it moves forward what you're trying to say better than whatever your citations are or the way you're trying to prove this framework. For a lot of us, like you and your book, you lived the framework. Mm -hmm. So it just felt like you know i feel like a good book is a good album right and you know you know you used to just pop that shit in and just let it rock mm -hmm. you don't skip all over prince like you just let prince play and that's how a good collection of essays are like you just read that shit and you're like this one is good too oh i also enjoy this next one and that's your book your book is a really good album and it's a really good album because, like, I came through when the head was popping out. Mm. <laughs> First of and all, it was... we started off as rock and roll. Then we were death row. And now we are crazy part. The journey 
this podcast was going on. I don't know what it is with me and music. (laughs) Because it's everything. And I'll tell you, publishing is so, it's not dissimilar to the music industry and its Mm -hmm. exploitation, but also the art that, the way it changes, like the art changes people's lives, you know, the stories Mm -hmm. that it tells. So it's all storytelling. Yeah. Absolutely. And every book is an album. So it's like every every chapter is a song, right? I mean, it's not, it is. And it's like, it's, it involves that level of like passionate determination, but also like you have to root your soul so much into it. Like that Mm -hmm. can, it get, it's hard, right? It's like a true unveiling of who you are and um, and then it's, but then it's sold for commerce, right? So like, in a, like any, like you're not just doing it alone in a room. Like if you're just doing it alone in a room, then there's no expectations or fears or like that shit in the, in the soup. Right. But like, then you're going to go try to sell it to people. And that creates its own dimension in the challenge of being an artist and also being an artist who's going to sell something to other people in the hopes, I mean, I, look, I don't, I don't work with many, all, I mean, I do work with some authors that are in it for the money. I mean, I, and we all got to pay bills, so I don't ever, and I, you know, and we like nice things. Like it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But it's also the, I think most people, and especially the folks at Row House, but I, I know most people that I work with are writing books because they've experienced something in their lives that they were able to heal from and they want to offer that healing to other people so they can mm-hmm. see where there is a door to liberation from whatever they feel trapped by right and so that's our stories are that bridge and um and so that makes it even all the more like then it's like oh i'm not only doing this for myself i'm not only doing this to pay the bills but i'm doing this to change the world and that's a that's a lot that's a lot when you're just putting letters into a computer and hoping they make sense but our stories can sell, right? Like they can make money. And I think that that's what the publishing industry was really missing. Mm-hmm. It, like, you know, when right. that CEO said we catered to an affluent audience, it's like black people buy books. Do you even like read? Do you read? Yeah. Do you, do you like understand you know, what's going do on in the industry? Read, read. You don't say it. So, you know, we can be profitable. We can sell. Our books are selling. Like they're doing really, really well because people crave truth i mean Mm. fundamentally i think people resist it because they're afraid but they at the same time are really hungry for it and we're really moving into this solidly for us by us model where everyone can come and read the books but our stories are so authentic and told from a place of real experience that when people hear them they ring so true they resonate like brown enough like i'm not a dominican colombian man from queens and i resonate so deeply with the story because it's so true you know, mm. and same with you, Tina, like your book, it just feels so true to me. So right. we can sell and And it's so funny you bring up music because our tagline is raising the volume on voices that matter. And I really struggled with that when I said it because I was like, oh, because it was like pump up the volume. Like that was the whole thing that is in my head. Like that's, like that's music. That's music. But but it really is about the voice. Tammy, don't laugh at me. You know, I'm corny. But like, I think she's laughing at Kristen. That's what it is. It's the voice. It's, <laughs> it's the voice. It's the person. The words are important. They are the vehicle, but it's the voice behind them that right. that's what we want to center. I also want to say mm. what I like is that we ask the question what are they going to do with this? <laughs> right? Like, this is such a good story with such a good voice. This is all coming together. I like that when we were working on Are We Free Yet? There is that part where we're like, 
Now what, how are they going to figure out what to do with this? How are they going to piece together what it looks like to be assimilated, to play small? And so they can understand it's not, this isn't an anomaly. Like this is legitimately where we are. I'm a vision of the collective. This is what it looks like. This is what it could look like for you. I know as a black woman who's been bouncing around the South for the past couple of years, you know, trying to find these little nooks and crannies where I can be the most liberated. I know what to do with, are we free yet? Because I'm leaving the question. You know what I mean? So there's that aspect of what can they do with this that we answer that no one else is giving. No one else is answering that question. They're looking at us. They're taking aspects of our story, right? And expanding on it and profiting from it. But like, no one is telling it. And that's my story. Like, you know, I am the black girl from Long Island who relocated to Little Havana and is currently in New Orleans. So maybe in 20, you know, maybe in 2017, this would have been really absurd to me, this idea of leaving the country. But sitting here now at 2022, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing that I lack isn't even that, the aspect of being able to see it, but seeing somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. And it, it looks, it hits different when you're reading the ugly parts from it than when you're looking at the glossy Instagram page Mm. of the black people who I already know, I already know half the shit that you use to get there, I don't have my hands on, you know? And and just thinking about what do you do with it, this is another reason why I love working at Row House because I am, I'm, if you go on black Twitter right now and you look at black editors, you look at black authors, black publishing, it is really ugly. And it's not because of us, it's because of these limitations. It's because black editors will get hired on the first, fired on the 15th, not cited, not get the bylines, not get the credits. Um, so you look at that and then you look at me, I joke around all the time, I'm like Christina Applegate and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Oh my okay. gosh. I'm such a cool, I was such a cool little stoner, okay? And I found this awesome job, all right? I was like, I'm still a little kid. I don't know, what what is this font? What's the size again? I can't log in. This is me (laughs) all summer. And really great with the words, still figuring out the structure part. And the fact that I get to do that, the fact that I get to be so um, audacious, and being creative and pushing the limits in the ways that I work, the ways I even present shit. And it's so normal. We had a meeting a couple months ago. We're like taking out our dolls. I had my grumpy bear. There was some tears shed. I think somebody had their period. I was like, oh my God, like this is the gym class I fucking dreamed about in eighth grade. And look at me, 40. Okay, the baddest bitch. The baddest bitch. No, it's so when you said that, put this down as a marketing note, Tina, in our strategy coming up, because when you talked about Tina and not being able to see it and then reading her book and then seeing it Mm -hmm. because she lives Mm -hmm. it, I'm thinking about Eat, Pray, Love. When that Mm. book came out and it was like, everybody was like, we want to do the Eat, Pray, Love. And we didn't hear about like 
the six figure advance. And then that started coming out like she was able to do this because she had all of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was so inaccessible. We fell in love with the story. We watched the movie. Julia Roberts looked great, but we couldn't access that. Are we free yet? Is like the clear black. You pray love. love. It It is. is. I mean, remember the the original title, the The original title was Eat, Smoke, Dance. And that is, that was my just kind of nod to Eat, Pray, Love. Because I wasn't, like everybody loved that. I was inspired by that story. And then I found myself living it and finding, you know, myself in this marriage that fell apart and I didn't know it was falling apart and found myself wanting to leave the country. And like you said, not having the resources. I didn't have Julia Roberts money. I didn't have Elizabeth Gilbert money. Um, So that is where this came from but then as far as kind of the initial here's you know a a title um which is i think what what it was originally and then like you said rebecca you picked out from when i was talking um just the are we free yet um which is also just a nod to me as a kid being on road trips with my parents and a lot of people can relate to that always Mm -hmm. asking our parents on these road trips are we there yet? Are we there yet? Thinking about how, you know, we, we talk about, we have this American freedom. It doesn't look this, that, that freedom doesn't look the same for all Americans. It doesn't look that way for um, a queer black woman like myself. So it's telling that story. And um, Tamala, like I said, your hands on it really made me feel seen. Um, Your feedback also made me say I, I this actually is the story that black women specifically need is is that where can we place ourselves when we get to a point where we recognize that perhaps this is not working for us anymore and what does it look like to to leave and you know Kristen let, let's why are we referencing Eminem so yeah, my job was to Eminem. There's a so it, I showed Tina and I at one point we we're cutting this book up basically. So she delivered a draft, and I was like, okay. So basically, we have to chop it all up, and then we like move it all around. And right around the same time, the ad had come out for the Super Bowl last year, and there's like the opening scene is with Eminem, and it's like Eminem on one side and Slim Shady on the other, and he's like moving these words around real quick, like in this guy. And so I told Tina at one point, I was like, so basically, this is what I'm trying to do, and I showed her the video, and she was like you're Eminem-ing my book. And I was like, yeah, I mean, basically what we're just trying to do is reorganize it so that we created like more dynamic in terms of how this story was being told. And I think that, I mean, that's the structure piece. It's what my like jam is in a book is like, okay, like how do we, and it's a song, right? I mean, I, I love that we're talking about music so much, but it is that song. It's like, okay, where's our verses? Where's our chorus, right? Where's our beats? Like you don't want, three minutes of verse, you need that chorus. You need to be, you need to hear, you know, are we free yet? Ring out like a number of times. So you remember what this song is about, you know, even as there's this other larger story going on. And so that's really what we work to like Eminem. But I think the biggest piece was, is how were we marrying this story of like radical liberation and also a personal story of grief. And because those two things, I think, Though pleasure is a huge piece of it, but on the other side of that is grief, right? And 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 losing, having to sacrifice really hard things, and um, and that a lot of people aren't willing to do, you know. And so I just I love Tina's story. It's it's absolutely brave, but inspirational. And uh, don't pay your taxes, folks. That's all I have to say. <laughs> also, losing yourself in the music, 
<laughs> you own it. One day we'll carry out. You better never Rebecca. let it go. Find out. You never let it go. <laughs> One shot. But you know what I want to talk about, though? Because I want to hear from Tammy, too, because I'll tell you, Miss Tamala, every single time you say that you love working for Row House, I get a little, like, a pang of, like, anxiety. Because, no, I do for real. I do. I do. I do for real. Because... This journey, and Tina has been on it with me, like in friendship, in professional relationship, it is because of the, the, the unique structure and, and what we're really trying to bring with liberation community, there is an intimacy that's involved in the process mm -hmm. that also adds a certain level of um, conflict, of controversy, of you know tension, I'll say, creative tension. My pastor mm -hmm. always used to call disagreements creative tension. Um, so, you know, I... With Row House, I think that we we exist in this very the silo of privilege in that we get to be with like-minded people that are all here for it. Like we don't have assholes in the room, right? Like we our Zoom calls, I'm always screenshotting them because I'm like, look at this, this is what publishing is. Look at this. It's like all like women and femmes, you know, black, brown, white, yeah. like from all different places. It's so beautiful, but there's also this inherent. Um, there's a struggle within it when you're talking to a whole bunch of people who are activists in their life, right? Boots on the ground, passionate about what they believe. We don't all believe the same things, right? Like, you know, whether it's vaccination, it's voting, it's politics, it's relationship, whatever. And I would love to hear from Tamala. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tina, I'm just taking over a little bit. But I'm really curious because I think I, I don't want the Row House story to be all roses and sunshine because it hasn't been, right? I would love to hear from Tamala and Tina about like, what it is like to put your, because Tamil's also writing a book for us, to put your heart, your story, your soul on the line and have people touching it. And when it doesn't feel good, you know, Tina, like if you feel comfortable talking about that. I do. Yeah. But I Tamla, just wanted to be honest. I love yeah, that. No, I love that. Um, you know, I had said that, you know, they say, there are years that ask questions and years that have answers. And I signed with Row House on the 31st of January. And Hood Wellness, you know, as you know, we did the self-care fair in Brooklyn in like 2017, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And I have been really working on the concept and the, the, like, the praxis of it for so many years. And I came here to New Orleans in 2020 to work on, it was gonna be just like a pamphlet. And so those were all question years of figuring it out. And what is it gonna look like? And what is it gonna sound like? And what, do I, what is it gonna mean? And so when I signed, I knew I was like, oh, this year is the motherfucking answer. Huh. And so I have given myself all kinds of grace in the creative process to really honor it, to really feel it, to make sure that I'm living, to make sure that I'm still being adventurous so that it's not a labor, you know? And getting to also edit, I, it's just, I try not to brag, bro, because it's so dope doing this <laughs> in a world where so few people get to do, I was doing this shit for free while I was working at Olive Garden. So the idea that I spend my day writing whatever I want to write in conjunction with working with black and brown people who are trying to write whatever they want to write, it's, it's like, it's, 
it's amazing. And if there's any, probably my biggest conflict with it, it's knowing how rare it is to do it and how I have to really be grateful for what I'm doing because I, I'm surrounded by black women writers, by black people writers, and it's not the same experience. So every day that I step into this, every new project that I sign on to, I always have to remind myself, how do we do this as a collective? And how do I get out of their way and help amplify what they're saying? Well, they realize that we're kind of saying this together and in order for us to really elevate the collective, we have to really, so there were parts in, are you free? I used to love saying this to Tina. I used to be like, this is what I would say. I'd say, okay, girl, listen, you at the panel, okay? It's five other hosts sitting on that panel with you, honey. They don't agree, girl. They don't like it. What you gonna say? And let me tell you something. There are times that you'd be like, yeah, I don't even think that sentence is worth it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Scrap it, whatever, whatever, whatever. And there are these other moments where she's like, I actually was on a panel like that a couple of months ago, <laughs> and I did okay. And I feel like that's how you know mm -hmm. you can stand 10 toes down in this. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. Not what do we think about what you're saying. Nah, bro, what do you think about what you're saying? Because I'm going to stand with you when you say it. There's going to be people in my community that are going to be like, I read it and I didn't agree with it. And I might even be like, I feel that. But yo, the way she said it, <laughs> you know, and it's just, that's so, a lot of times by the time it, it hits production, it's so sanitized, right? Mm. It's so cleaned up. It's so, I am currently editing an essay for Chris uh, from his book. I had a laugh because the last time I read it was in April and I've been in and out it upside down that thing and doing it again. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. That is so funny. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> and I'm like texting him. I'm like, I can't believe you said like, I didn't read it five times, but it's still so shocking that like, yo, they really let us do whatever the fuck we trying to do here. There is, there, there's, I sometimes poke it, Rebecca, and I throw it out there. I'm like, yo, I just want you to know, I'm writing this whole essay. It's about Elizabeth Gilbert, but it's not really about her. It's, and, it, and it's called Beg, Borrow, Heal. And I, and I, it's and I literally like, cause I love that book. And I talk about how I love that book. And I talk about how I hit 35 and I was like, that book is bullshit. I hated that book. I wanted to burn that book. And then I was in Little Havana and I was like, yo, you know what? This is going to be, I'm going to do all of it here. We're going to eat here. We're going to pray here. We're going to love here because that's what I have the scruples mm -hmm. for. And in essence, it's still me, you know, innovating it and making it work, which is, you know, inclusive wellness. But the fact that I can even say that, you really think about that and, and how many hands that would have touched it and would have been like reroute, honey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wrong road. Mm -hmm. Let's 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 say it a different way, a better way. And I it's that changes your art. You know what I mean? It changes how you show up in a room. It changes how you're gonna tell that story. So to be in this kind of moment where I get to edit work and I get to be a sensitivity reader and I get to be an author, 
By the time I sit down with my stuff, I, I feel like I'm coloring. It's a very bizarre year for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, my thumbs, I got the, the, the word doc on my phone. I'm at, I got ski ball tonight. And sometimes when it's not me up, I'm like reading somebody else's shit. I'm like, yeah, girl, that's good. Yeah, that's the other thing, the notes. I mean, if I can just frame these notes that are given to black women. Yeah. Baby, why you said that? You know, I mean, the, the language, I mean, it's just, it is so, yeah, I don't get to brag a lot, but that was my moment. I, this shit is pretty awesome. I kept all the drafts of, <clears throat> I'm sorry, um, All the Black Girls Are Activists by Ebony Janice, because <laughs> you're working on that with her. You've just turned in the manuscript, and the notes can be a book. The conversations mm. that are happening in the margins are so incredibly beautiful, and I think a, a, something that... The world doesn't get no outside of like black women being in community with each other. The world doesn't get to see that. So it's precious yeah. and it's private to you, but also such a privilege to see. And yeah. I will say again and again and again, I'm the lucky one because I think a rare place that I am in as a publisher is that I am someone who's in my healing. I'm am someone who's in the not the search for my identity, but the reckoning of my identity. And I'm I'm also an author, and I love story. And this just feels like I mean this is just like dessert every day. Like, I, I can't believe I get to read these stories and I don't want to put any roadblocks in the way because I know how the unfiltered mm. words of Eldridge Cleaver, of Dr. Maya Angelou, like how they radicalized me, how they taught me how to be in the world. And I have been lost. I mean, Tammy, you met me in a time when I was lost, right? Like I was, I was floundering. And it's just this, this privilege to get to learn from these authors. Mm. And um, I'm the lucky one for sure. Tina, you did not, you haven't all had sunshine roses and rainbows here. We, we, we got into it. We, we, know <laughs> we, we, we got into it. We, but, but the reality is the it process is was, hard. the process is hard. And this is so mm-hmm. much why we talk about it being like a pregnancy. We are carrying this mm-hmm. thing and that is not this beautiful um, process that hasn't, doesn't have, you know, difficulties and struggle and trials and, and, all of that was a part of it. So, I mean, I will say that after all has been said and done, I would do it all over again. After all is said and done, as I'm looking at this finished product, I'm looking at the the people that came alongside with me to work on this. Um, you, Kristen, you, Tamala, uh, Rebecca, you just even having the 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 desire to that or, or and just the just just the faith that I had something to share that you felt was important and you wanted to give me that opportunity for me to write these words and say these things and use my voice and I got to do it what just like what Tamala was saying unapologetically I I actually am shocked now that I go back and like read my book I'm like they I said this this is what I said really like I'm, so I'm smart, shocked right. I, I well, like, look at me. It's I yes, and there are definitely parts where I'm like, wow, I I said that shit, and so now it's time for me to stand in it and and stand ten toes down and stand along you all, the three of you on this call with me, and stand alongside the other Row House authors and say, look at what the fuck we did. Look at how we have changed things. Rebecca, I remember hearing you in one of the interviews that you did like on MSNBC or Yahoo Money or something. And you said one of the things that you want to have happen and come out of Row House um, is that 
black and brown and um, queer and gay and trans and disabled folks can take the model that Row House is 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 offering to all of their authors and go to these other publishers and say, I want this too. Mm-hmm. Like that's the revolutionary yeah. part. That's, that's the, dis- that's the, the disruption part. Like you're not over they here playing small. Exa- they right. can demand they it because it. it's been done. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so to align with these principles, to align with this um, justice loving, human loving, liberating um, group of folks, it is, it's a dream. So I, I, we, yeah, what we went through, there was some, there was some, some difficult moments and times. And I mean, to be honest, I was, there was, there was a, there was a moment where I was afraid that I had lost a friend in the, in the midst of this. Um, and so for us to come back and, and circle back and say, you know, we had a really hard job to do in writing this book and editing this book and getting it out in, in, in crossing all of the T's and dotting all of the I's. And there is, um, there's a, a tremendous part of us that wants to fight against um, capitalism. Um, and in some ways we do get to do that, but in other ways we, we are still in the society. That is, that is the operating mode of society. These are, sometimes these aren't yeah. choices. So um, I learned a lot and I know that you've learned a lot and we've, and, and that learning together piece, I feel like has made us stronger. Um, and, and I'm just so grateful for the whole of the experience, the whole of it. Um, and because, and I love the um, transparency and the vulnerability of us, of us being honest about it and saying, you know, we've, we've had some difficulties, we've made some mistakes, we, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. And then there's that trans, that, that restorative piece that really I get to, I've, I've had an opportunity to live, you know, with, with you. Um, and as, and I'm just excited. And I also think about when we learn lessons and we get to do better. Right. And so I know that is something that you've also shared just about, you know, I was one of the first six and we all, well, folks who have more than one child know what it's like having that first one um, and how, you know, you don't let that child touch anything because you just want to protect, like you, you make your mistakes. And by the time you get to the second and the third and the fourth and all the rest of them, it's just like, okay, whatever, just do what you want. I don't even fucking care anymore. And, and they have a better experience, right? They, because of the things that yes. we learned, yeah. Um, the result of that is that change has happened. The result of that is that they, they get to, um, you know, benefit from all of the ways that we, we, we maybe it wasn't as pretty as we would have liked it to have been. Yeah. I mean, I was a teen mom. Can I say something? Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. you know yeah. what? I'm in my family. I'm a baby. Yes, you are. And I have an essay. Yeah, exactly. I, I mm-hmm. have youngest child syndrome. It's disgusting. <laughs> but... At Row House, I'm the baby. I'm thinking. I'm you think are. Out we, we all agree. I'm the baby. You're just running wild. Yeah, you're running wild. You're like you googling know, like, like my eight year old, like how to heat up the stove you're for like noodles. The, you're like the twelfth baby at this point, so we're like, oh, go it's, for it. This is exactly There's like it's a box of Cheerios. Exactly. You'll be fine. The black is raising me. The black, the black is raising black you. Is raising Oh, no, I thought this was raising. I'm the, the black is raising the black. you. The, bl- the black. Is raising me. <laughs> the black has raised me. Has raised me. No, it's true though. The black 
I was saying I right? was, I was a teen one. Yes, I'm telling you, I was a teen mother. I'm trying to say, I was a teen mother, and I wanted so to I. be the best mother on the planet. In spite of that, yeah, Tina Tim. So I, you know what? He's like, I I don't want to be perceived as that one. Like, I my kids look beautiful all the time. They were always like head to toe. Well, I got complimentary children. They're so well groomed, like little nails and toes and everything. Never a boogie nose, and. <laughs> They suffered for that, right? My older, they're all in therapy, the older three, like, thank goodness. But my younger two, it's like, they go out of this house looking like nobody loves them. But it's really because, it's really because people do love, because I, I trust myself. I trust myself more. I know my value. I know that I, I, I don't need to measure my value as a mother, my worthiness as a mother by other people's standards. My big kids are, tur- they have turned out wonderfully and they are well loved, but I had so much anxiety around it. That's that first six authors. Like, I'm not your mother, right? But I was so scared. I wanted this to be perfect. I didn't want to be that, like, you know, uneducated girl from, you know, pop- came up from poverty, doesn't have an education. She doesn't know what she's doing. We knew she was going to fail. So I just wanted to prove myself so hard that I was, mm. I was acting out of trauma. I was acting out of fear. But now we hit our groove and it's like, these next authors, it's like, I mean, it was night and day. You have no idea. Like there's systems, people are happy. Tammy's running wild. I don't know what the fuck she's doing. And it's like, (laughs) but it's it's just, it works though. Because we are operating in this, like, are we free yet? No, but inside these walls, I hope that we can be, right? Like out in the world, we are dealing with capitalism. We're dealing with Barnes and Noble wanting not to buy our books. Like all of that mess. But inside here, you get to be who you can, who you want to be, who you're meant to be, so that when you step out, you show that confidence, and everybody will see that and be like, "Dang, I want what they have," and it will disrupt the industry. It really will. That's We're what Rowhouse gave to me. Yeah, that, and that's what Rowhouse gave to to me. And as I as I follow along, it's like my little book writing journey's over, and now I'm the, on the other side of this, but I'm still following along so closely. I really am engaged and want to know what. What's it is a giant book, <laughs> but like I'm following. Uh, you gotta remember, remember how big the book was, though. <laughs> was like, right. That was me editing down in Philadelphia. Okay. Rebecca being like, "What are you doing?" She was like, okay. I was like, "This is the work of other sons." Kristen, She's like, "No, this was one of the Kristen Christ. The early I was like, She's like Tina Turner's in 130,000 I was like, "We got volumes. This is an this is Encyclopedia Britannica." Okay, <laughs> baby. Kristen, Kristen, did, did you cry? Did did you cry? She did. Tell, tell the truth. No, I just fought. Rebecca and I just got into fights. We were in Philadelphia, and she'd be like, "What do you?" And she was. I mean, we were trying to do like AWP together. So to be fair, we were supposed to be like we were fighting. We were fighting because we were trying to do this thing together. But I could not do the thing with her. And she'd be like, I'd be like hovered over in the corner with the computer and she was like all on her own getting annoyed. And I'd be like, I'm editing your book. So <laughs> aggressive. And I'm like, well, maybe I was, but. I'm like, I was working on <laughs> Tina Strong's book. I didn't, it, I didn't intend that I was gonna have to edit out 40,000 words in, in Philadelphia at the conference center and the convention hall, <laughs> eating gummy hamburgers like they were going out of style. It's a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> Thank God for those gummy hamburgers Justin found. <laughs> I don't even know if Justin found them. I'm giving him props. Yeah, I'm sure you did. My poor husband. Oh, the, our family suffered through this. It yeah. was, I'm telling you, when you say you'd do it again, I, I would do it again because I love her. I would do it dot, 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 dot again. Yeah, this is, this is the life 
purpose that I didn't know that I had, right? Like everything has led up to this point. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I will do it till the day I die. We will not sell. There is no exit plan. But I, I'll, t- well, okay. For the investors, maybe we will uh, for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> so there's, there's, you know, I did, but would I do a different hundred percent? Like the mistakes mm-hmm. I made, the money I wasted, the fights I had, the friendships that I almost mm-hmm. lost because when you operate in a place of the whole enoughness of it, I just never felt enough. I was, mm-hmm. I was a fraud coming in here. I'm like, I have mm-hmm. difficulty reading and now I'm going to be a publisher. But, mm. but what has come out of it, the proof, you know, the proof's in the pudding, right? Like we tried it and we did it and now it's here. It's like, oh, not only can we do this, we can do this better. Like we're unstoppable now. I mean, we went through the fire. Well, <laughs> like, it's been great. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, I mean, look, this is the lesson is that we got a book publishing company up and going and we said, we're going to publish the first book next year, right? And I think that was stupid. Yeah, that was the, that was the, like, if ever you were like, what was the one thing we did wrong? That was the one thing. And I think- That evil Knievel style. Yeah, we well, I met a very rich woman who launched at the same time as that she's comes from a lot of wealth and she's very famous on the internet for her mommy blog. And she she um, launched at the same time as us. And I was at a party at a, a very wealthy individual's home. It was like a billionaire home in Manhattan. And I'm there with 50 women. And she first, she, she pretended not to know me because I, I knew her. We were being introduced and she was like, I don't, know, I don't know, I don't know. And then the person who was introducing us said like, oh, I'm their very good friend. And then she knew me, this whole story. And, so I was asking, she was asking about our titles. And I'm like, yo, you know, we got the altar within and then we got brown enough and we got, you know, the entry business book. And she's like, I don't know what language you're speaking right now. And then I said, oh, like, tell me about your titles. And she goes, well, our first one's coming out next February. And I'm like, you've been, that's a long time that you've been working on that one book. And because I have no filter, that's exactly how it came out. <laughs> <laughs> so like, <laughs> but like, that's what normal people do. So like we, I mean, not only did we do it quick, we did it with like, not the money experience connections that other people have. We had some of that we did, but it was, we did not know what we didn't know. Yeah. And we hurt for it. Well, and I think we came from, (laughs) but here's the difference, right? We came from the mindset of like, we got to get these books out. Right. And we got to, we didn't want to make anybody feel like they had to wait, not realizing that what that was actually doing was putting enormous amount of pressure on everybody, including ourselves. And so it just, I think that was where... And I was, I read something the other day that like, you never want to get so busy that you can't be civil. And I think, Mm. and I like that, like really struck with me personally, because I'm somebody who gets so busy, I can't be civil and it just doesn't give you the space. And then that, especially when you're in friendship, right? Because then it's like, you don't get to have that civility with people you actually love and um and i and it's funny like we were saying like we're doing all these books on wellness and breathe and like you know like give yourself space and yet rebecca and i were like waking up every day like running through glass doors and it was just like wait like you know so i think that these next like by baby number four and i do think the teen mom is a great metaphor that like we basically like we got pregnant really quick when we didn't expect. And then we were like, fuck, we got to have this baby out. And oh my God, we got to do everything perfect. And oh my God, we're going to do it. And then it's like, and, and all of our babies were like, ah! and, <laughs> and we were like, just shut up. Just stop crying. <laughs> I need to fucking sleep. <laughs> we're moms at 3 a.m. We haven't slept in six years. And, um, and so I think it just, uh, you know, so I think that does, it spills over into the whole process even even when you're David, 
right? Even when you're David in it, because yeah. you're not like, you're like, I'm not a big scary monster, but any mom who knows, right? At 3 a.m. when you haven't slept in six days, you are a big scary monster. And um, yeah. And so I think it's yeah. just, you know, I think there was, uh, there were better ways to do it that out of our own ambition and excitement, but also that pressure of we got to succeed, right? We got to be good stewards of the money that's coming in. We want to yeah. show that we're producing. Like, I don't think Rebecca and I are not people. I mean, I think I can speak for both of us. We're not people who frequently raise $1.2 million in 11 months. Like that's not our jam. <laughs> like that's not a thing. So for that to come in, Though it was exciting, it came with this like, oh God, we gotta like we gotta show the song and dance, right? We gotta prove ourselves. And in that desire to prove ourselves, I think that we put undue pressure on sort of everyone involved and everybody. Yeah. And so I think that's the beauty of now. Um, you know, I'm not actively involved in day to day at, at Row House now because I was always supposed to be there. I was the doula, like, you know, I'm not the I wasn't supposed to continue on past the birth of the first babies, but um, but I, um, but I, but I can feel the tempo, right? I'm still participate and I know the tempo and I know the tempo for the other authors and the systems and the supports and all the things that are now in place that actually allow for those longer runways, you know, for, for books to launch, for authors to write, for editors to edit, for all the pieces to come into, for the PR and the marketing, like all those runways being long enough that nobody feels like they're being rushed in that process. And I think that just, it gives everybody space to do their best work, but also to be civil and loving and, and all the things that we are here to do and have our periods and hold our stuffies. Yeah. This is no, this is therapy because what you said, like just to never be so busy that you lose it, the, this ability, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And like, and not even having that space to breathe and to look at ourselves and examine the fear. And I think it was the turning point for me was really when we were both on a Facetime crying. Like that was the first time we cried simultaneously, and that was like, whoa, what did we do here, yeah. right? And like, I can't lose another friendship. I can't, and it's because mm. for us to get there, it was. Um, it had, we were beaten down. We were mm -hmm. operating in burnout. And I think that that's an element of starting a new business. That's an element of being an entrepreneur or trying a new thing, of trying to like take down a system. But I, I think that, um, and, I, and I'm looking forward to hood wellness for this, mm -hmm. um, you know, some solutions for that. Like, how do you be a change maker and also love yourself and the people around you in the process? Because we got to be, we have to stay here. We have to stick around. Man, I was gonna quit this morning. This morning, this morning, I was crying, and I was like, I can't do Row House anymore. So, thank you for this. I just have to because... say, I don't, I don't like podcasts. I don't listen to them. I once had my own podcast. I never listened to it. My Crystal would always be like, "Did you listen to the podcast?" I'd be like, "Why? I was there." <laughs> She'd be like, "Over here, it's ours. You're supposed to listen to." It. I'm like, "I'll listen to podcasts. I don't know." Um, you know what's funny with the burnout is that. There is that feeling that, you know, you have to pace yourself. And we I joke around all the time. I'm like, I'm never editing less than five manuscripts and giving an editorial review for another three. And it, it's just wow. the system. Mm -hmm. And I love words. I play with words. It's, you know, just like Kristen was saying earlier, it's when, by the time you get to this level, you live, breathe, eat this shit. But there is also this feeling of knowing that there's so few of us to say no is not as simple as just like no i can't help you it's like this is a this is 
activism. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is straight up act. It's not indirect activism. It's not watered down activism. This is legitimately dismantling the entire way that we deliver this art and how we control it to be on the front end and the back end at the same time more often than not it i hate to even admit this but it'll be like i start my work day at 6 a.m central time and i'm always trying to keep up with new york and it'll be 9 30 and believe me i want to watch housewives of beverly hills but I cannot peel myself away from whatever the hell I'm reading or whatever I'm trying to write because there is that feeling of like helping them get this out is part of the work. Yeah. It's not, it's like the art is the work. You know, we forget that. And so the burnout is real, but I feel like that's why it's also important that we keep facilitating these conversations around what liberation looks like mm -hmm. collectively, but also individually. Mm -hmm. And for you, so much of it, what I love, Tina, is that it is about using the body to go mm -hmm. and seeing where it takes you. And then if you have this conversation with Ebony Denise, it looks like tapping in the body and trying to hear what it's trying to say. Mm -hmm. And then you have it with me and it's like, trying to figure out what the fuck your body does <laughs> and what it's been trying to tell you, you know? And there are these three different forms, but they are totally related. I, the next thing I said to Steve last week, I said, are we free yet? And all the black girls are activists. They're hood cousins, they're hood mm -hmm. twins. Like it just, they just go together, you know? Such like, a high compliment, it, it, such high praise. I love that you said that. It, it's so true though. It yeah. is so, I know, I gotta get a shirt and something like that. that says it. <laughs> but um, it really pokes at the burnout because, and maybe also if this was something, you know, we're so used to the kind of activism where you do have to use your body and you do have to repress so much of who you are, because this mission that we're going for is so big. So no, I'm not gonna share my poem, and no, we're not gonna have an open mic night. But when you're doing activism on this end, it's like, the words are so powerful. You know, it's, it, it just, it becomes so much more amplified. So I just wanted to throw that in there. There is a model for this though. I mean, we have like Sophia Sanchez, we have, you know, um, Doc Maya Angelou that looked very like uh, elder right we have yeah. um angela davis like we have people that like not okay i'm not putting us on the stage with <laughs> but i'm saying there is there is longevity that is possible in also doing this work and doing it gracefully mm -hmm. and beautifully and um so i have hope there and it, there is, it is tricky when the thing that's burning you out is also nourishing you. Like, that's super tricky. And yes, mm -hmm. Tammy, this is direct activism. Like, this is putting words on paper and bringing it out to the world so that they can then activate themselves. Like, it's it's so much, there's such a huge responsibility. There's this element of saying, yes, 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 yes. I think, though, being in community is the solution. It's just like, just saying, like, I want to quit. I'm so sad. Everything sucks. And someone affirming that. And then you just move on. He's like, dust yourself off and move on. There's a lot of that, but it's a it's a huge response. I mean, I every single time I go through the checkout, I still wonder if my debit card is going to get. It doesn't matter how much money is in the bank. Mm -hmm. I'm always worried, like, is it going to go through? Are people mm -hmm. going to look at me? That's like the EBT card trauma, right? Like, <laughs> like trying to hide it as I'm taking it. For those of you who don't know what an EBT card is, it's when I was on food stamps, and that's how I paid my, for my food. 
But um, it's like a little credit card, which I was so glad. I was like, thank you for doing that. Now it's yeah. not actual food stamps, right? Like, we got, we got a credit card looking thing. You just covered the couches on top, you know. Well, you got to say, like, you gotta, yeah, you got to like, like, do it this way, yeah. EBT, EBT. And then they, like, know to put the button in. But it's, um, I still have all of those fears. So this does feel like a ton of money, a huge responsibility. And also on a spiritual level, like, you know, God, you know, make me a good steward of this because I can't there's no room for messing up. Like people will say, oh, it's okay to mess up. But I'm like, but the consequences are very, very, very dire. Mm -hmm. If I go down, you don't know what goes down with me. So this is not a possibility, actually. This is a no fail zone. So, but there's, but there's also room for mistake. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Like it's about, and I think that's where it's like, there's a, there's always the space for like, Hey, this, uh, this could be done differently in the space for like, Oh, we shouldn't have done it that way. Right. Like there's a space for all of that. while also knowing that that's, what's going to keep it successful, you know? And I just, um, but I think that, uh, I mean, Tina, I want to know, I want to know before we wrap up, I mean, I, are you excited? You got a book, you got a baby coming, Tina. I'm so excited Look, today. Baby. I am so excited now. It, it took me about <laughs> today, three months after in this moment. today. These the past three months, I was not excited. I was like hiding in my little town here, hiding in Costa Rica, um, and not wanting anyone to see me and not wanting to see anybody because it was so hard getting through it. So when we finally were like here, it's production has it and it's out of our hands. Right. Um, but just over the past couple of weeks, I have been coming back to life. And, and when I received my copy of the advanced, uh, my first, you know, got to hold my book in my hand for the first time. And I started after I got over the shock of how big it was. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so big. This is the fuck. Who's going to read this? I hope everybody reads it. But like, it's a lot. It's a lot of words. So I, I was reading through it and I was like, oh, this is actually really good and I'm really proud of this and I cannot wait for this to be out in the world. So that's where I am with it today. And I, I, I also, like, like just as we're wrapping, I'm thinking about how, how really awesome it is to be on the other side of the process because now as I'm following Tamala, like I, I love following you and listening and hearing um, all of the books that you're editing. I love hearing you insert how it is writing hood wellness. Like I am so excited. I, it, girl. I know, but you, and you take us with you and I'm like, yes, I remember when I was, when I was feeling that. And so it's so, it's so awesome. And then also, you know, following the row houses page and, and seeing who the new authors are that are coming in, the new titles, the new topics, just, just keeping it fresh, keeping it raw, keeping it radical. And I just, it's, it's, it's just a lot of pride that I have being a part of the Row House family. Like, I feel like that is not just this cliche thing that I say. I'm on this call with, with, with each of you and you all were with me for this really um, important, like life-changing event in my life. Um, uh, you, you, you helped me to tell this Are We Free Yet story. You helped me to really, and you gave me the, the freedom to be me and tell the story in my way, in my voice. So my book is recognizable to me. Um, it's not like it got put through just some corporate machine and pushed out to, you know, satisfy the masses. No, this book is 
me on the page. And that I, I'm so proud of that because I feel, and this is what, what Tamala's voice in it, um, and, 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 and magic with it has contributed to, as well as Dr. Candace Hargens of the center for healing racial trauma, like the fact that I was able to be me and then for other black women to be like, Oh yeah, I relate to this and this and this, and that girl, you said it. And yet that's exactly what I was thinking when this was happening. It's just like, the biggest, this is the biggest gift. I'm so proud of it and I'm so grateful for each of you. Thank you so much for um, for letting me tell the Are We Free Yet story and for being a part of it. Thank you, Row House. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And thank you to Grapes for the music. The song is I Don't Know.